<laughs> well, praise God. Anybody got the victory in here today? You'll keep the victory if you keep it in Jesus. Amen. And not put it in something else. We oftentimes, uh, I think, get distracted, put our trust and our hope in something else. Amen. And we need to keep it in the Lord and uh, the Word. And that keeps us out of trouble. Keeps me out of trouble anyway. When my my brain goes off into la-la land somewhere, and I pull it, reel it in with the Word of God. Amen? And uh, anyway, what a wonderful Sunday morning service we're having here, and singing and worshiping and praising God and and uh we had a, a nice prayer time this morning and praying for these meetings and I just I just was thinking about this early this morning that I'm going to give an extra little push here on the internet. If you can get here to the Tampa Bay area uh by Friday, I encourage you to get here. If you have to drive, ride a train, you can you can actually come on the train uh, to the uh, Amtrak. But you you get on the train, get on the bus, a stagecoach, uh, Pony Express, something, walk, swamp boat, whatever it takes to come and uh, and get here. And uh, there are hotels, especially on this side of town, on the on the uh, northwest side of town, there's uh, um, on the Pinellas Pas- uh, West Pasco side. There's hotels still available, and uh, you, you just come on to the meeting, Amen. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed, and you'll be blessed. And I just feel like these meetings are pivotal to what the Lord has for us in the coming days, Amen. Yeah. And so, lay everything else aside and. Um, you know, you that consider this your home church, we, we would love to see you here. Those that, uh, maybe, you know, you might, you don't even have to like me to come to these meetings. You know, maybe you, maybe you, uh, you don't like me. <laughs> That's okay. It's fine. You don't have to, but, uh, you what you, you're going to want to come and hear the word and hear, uh, Dr. Pat. Amen. And I, she, she has written us several times. Um, that she is excited and has communicated that she is excited also about these meetings. And I just think they're going to be life-changing. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's give God all the glory and praise for these things. And just thank God for what we're, what we're being led to do. Amen? I want to preach today on a message that I believe uh, it just... I, I put it this way, that sometimes the Lord just downloads uh, a message to me down in my heart because I start struggling about Saturday uh, with, oh, Lord, Sunday morning's coming. What am I going to preach, you know, and uh, and uh, want to have a fresh word. Amen. Now, you can survive on canned ham, but a fresh one's better. Amen. And, uh, so we don't, we don't really, you know, a canned sermon, as long as it's from the word is better than no sermon. But, uh, uh, boy, it sure is better to have something fresh, isn't it? We say fresh bread from heaven. And, uh, so I really believe this message is fresh. It's not a new message. There's nothing new about it. Uh, not necessarily, you know, some heavy revy that has come down, as we call it, heavy revy. 
but it's a, it's a pertinent message for us every day. Amen. And, um, I want you to see here, our, our key scripture is Proverbs 18. And, um, it says, verse 21, death and life. Now, this is, you know, you ever heard somebody say something about, is this a life or death matter? And so our words, according to the scripture, are a life or death matter. It was interesting in the early days of the faith movement that a lot of people that had never been taught anything, I was one of them, okay? I was a teenager, just getting into being a teenager, and I had grown up in church, praise the Lord. And, um, in fact, one of the guys that was laying the carpet here the other day, he said to me, so what's your testimony? How did you find the Lord? And I had to hesitate a minute because I thought, I don't really have, you know, I wasn't in jail. Uh, you know, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't a, you know, some serial killer or anything. I, uh, I said, well, actually, I grew up in church. I think the first Sunday after I was born, I was in church on the pew. Uh, and... uh at the Tallahassee Road Church of God in Thomasville, Georgia. And my mama was playing the piano, I think, and just laid me on the pew, you know. In those days, if you fell off the pew, you just fell off and they put you back up, you know. But now everybody's coddled and cuddled and padded and secured and, uh, you know, uh, bubble wrapped and everything else. But, uh, not, not, not so much in the fifties. So I said, well, my father was actually a minister. I grew up in church. And, uh, you know, after leading a life of of sin and degradation, I received the Lord at age eight. Uh, <laughs> was <laughs> baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of tongues at age 10. <laughs> and I never really left the church. I've been a church boy, I guess, my, well, my whole life. Um, which explains why I really don't like religion <laughs> very much. You can know that that know me. I'm, I love the Lord, but I don't like religion. I don't like relig- religiosity because there's just nothing, there's nothing, there's no power in it. It's just, uh, you might as well join the Shriners or something and, uh, just, you know, memorize their mantra as to be religious. Amen. It's just not going to help you very much. But, um, Anyway, I think my dis- my testimony was a little disappointing to him because I didn't have some huge deliverance, you know, thing. Uh, but we still have to all be saved and we still have to all be delivered. We do from ourselves mainly and uh, that kind of thing. But I've said all that to say that, you know, my first 12, 13 years of myself growing up in church, I had never heard one teaching on confession, not one, or or your words, other than avoid four-letter words. That one I heard. You'll go to hell for saying those words. But anything else was acceptable. You could complain. You could talk about how depressed you were, how fearful you were, how bad you felt, how pathetic everything was. And the whole church would talk like that. You know, nobody thought anything about it. And so I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to explain. <laughs> when Brother Hagen came on the scene in 1970 at my father's church, by then was in Augusta, uh, 
He opened up with Mark 11:23, and I'm not sure that we had hardly ever emphasized that verse. I never remember it. I remember John 3:16, Amen. I remember Acts 2:4. Boy, that one was preached in the Church of God. Uh, and uh, I mean, uh, and uh, Isaiah 53 about healing and those things. Amen. James. Five, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. They would anoint with oil, you know, have the anointing oil bottle and all that. So praise God for those things. It wasn't like we were completely lost, but no teaching, direct teaching on confession. And I remember the first time I heard Brother Hagen teach it, I was all of 13 years old. And I actually turned 13 during the meeting, during the uh, the meeting that he uh, conducted in 1970, because it was the last week of January and the first full week of February. My birthday's on the 8th. I think I turned 13 on the, so I was really 12 going through the end of 12 years old going through those meetings. And uh, I hope I'm not boring you with the details of my life, but I'm, I'm sitting there hearing this teaching and I'm intent on hearing it because he was very interesting to listen to even for a teenager. I didn't have to be back in teenager church making balloons or something, you know, blowing up balloons with scriptures on them or whatever. I would actually sit in the, we sat in the service and listened to the revival, we called it. And so Brother Hagin was teaching and uh, on, on confession and how important our words are. And it's the first time that I remember me personally. See, I'm not throwing a rock at anybody else. I'm just saying me. The first time I had ever heard any teaching at all on confession. Amen. And so uh, I remember saying, talking to some other preacher's wives uh, that, that were there and a minister or two. I remember we were be out to eat after the service or talking a little bit. And I remember saying, I just don't get it. I God, because I had always been taught God looks on the heart. He cares what you believe, cares what you think. But we thought our mouth just belonged to us. Whatever we wanted to say, whatever we felt just came out. And it took me a while, several years, to really get it, the authority that we have in our mouth. Amen. And once I got it, boy, I really got it. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't need correction from time to time um, from the Word. And I have to remind myself, amen? How many know we get frustrated in life, frustrated with situations, frustrated with traffic, frustrated with government red tape or whatever else, amen, that we might be experiencing. Anybody can relate to that. But, um, you know, and we, you know, we, it doesn't mean you have to go around tiptoeing through the tulips with Tiny Tim. Uh, you, you know, everything's daisies and lollipops. I'm not saying that, or nor is the word saying it, but there is something about us blessing our lives instead of cursing them. I hope this message is helping you today. It's just a reminder, and maybe it's for me more than you, okay? But it's a reminder of what the Word says about our the authority of our words. I believe that they make a difference. Death and life are in the power of the Lord, and whatever He decides, that's what's going to happen. Is that what it says? Now, religion teaches that strongly. It doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you do, it's all in God's will and providential plan, and you know, no matter what you do, He's gonna do it the way He's gonna do it, which to me takes incentive away to try to do anything. 
you might as well just be a, an amoeba and just float around and see what you bump into. But that's not what the Word says. The Word says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we could say that this is a life or death matter. A life or death. How serious is it? It's a life or death matter according to the Word. Um, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. And so that's a strong pro- proverb there. And uh, I take it as just a direct command from the Word. You do with it like you like. But that's what I believe. Now turn to Mark 11. Praise God today for the Word. Amen. Excuse me. I'll be glad when the glue fumes from this carpet have raptured themselves. Amen. Mark eleven twenty three. As, 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 now twenty two and twenty four and twenty five, they're all great and important. The minute you preach on one verse, somebody will pop up and say, "Well, what about the other verse?" And it's like, "Well, eventually, let's just read every verse." You know, c- come on, we can't be ridiculous. You have to kind of milk what you can from, you know, the time frame that you have. Verse 23 uh, says, for verily, that means, pay attention, it's very important. Verily is not your aunt in the Bible. Aunt verily. For verily, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, notice the word say, I said, notice the word say. Does it say that you pray to God about the mountain? You don't, even though there wouldn't be wrong, but we're not talking about that. That wouldn't be wrong to pray about the mountain or get direction how to get around it or over it or blow it out of the way. But this has to do with authority of words. You'll notice if you took time, we won't. Read it ourselves, but if you took time to uh, notice where this came from, in, in earlier verses it says that they passed by a fig tree. Remember that? And Jesus cursed it. It was dried up from the roots. He spoke directly to the tree. He made a faith confession. In other words, he did not pray to the Father about the tree. He just spoke to it. Now, somebody says, well, yes, that's because he was Jesus. It says here, Master, he's the Master, he's Jesus. He has that authority, he could do that. Yes, absolutely, amen, 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 all day long. But I'll tell you what, he said here, whosoever shall say. So it's not just because it was Jesus that the fig tree dried up. There's something else he's trying to get over to us. Amen? See, that's why you can't read the Bible, like Brother Hagin used to say, people read the Bible with religious colored glasses on. In other words, they read the Bible through the prism of what they've always been taught. So it's easy to go, well, yes, Jesus, if he speaks to it, 
It's going to move. So then our tendency is to, to get a, a little off and start praying to Jesus. Jesus, would you speak to this mountain for me? Jesus, would you speak? Would you ask something to the Father for me? But Jesus is trying to show us here as believers that we have the authority, the same as him. Amen. We have the authority to speak to something and see it change. Don't everybody shout at once. Don't want this to go too fanatical here today. Run people off from all the screaming in the church. Whosoever shall say whosoever. I love it that the word whosoever is there. That means me. That means you. That means anybody that'll do it. Whosoever, say I'm a whosoever. Yeah. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, 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 shall come to pass, not what you think, not what the negative thoughts against what you're saying declare, but what you say about it shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever. Does it say he believes? Does it say he shall have whatsoever? The Lord decides to give him. No, it, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Praise God. Well, for the few years that I was on the road with Brother Hagen playing the Hammond B3, um, he would open meetings. You know, we'd go from. Not, not literally from city to city, like, you know, vagabonds, but usually there'd be a crusade book. We'd go do it, come home to Tulsa, regroup and go back out. But by that, by that, by those years. But anyway, he was teaching. He felt a mandate from the Lord, go teach my people faith. You think, well, my people, if they're already my people, don't they have faith? What, 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 what's with that? But Brother Hagin discovered, especially, especially amongst full gospel circles, that people loved the Lord, understood some things about prayer, understood some things about the Holy Spirit and the move of God, but knew very little about faith and knew very little about how to use faith or how to use authority. Really, we talk about using faith, but it's just a matter of using authority. Amen. Well, you know, between Brother Hagen and Kenneth Copeland, I, I got the, the impression that these two fellows, the only scripture they knew was Mark eleven twenty three, Because it seemed like in morning and night meetings, they would reopen at Mark eleven twenty three, And if they didn't open, open something else, we'd end up there. You think the Holy Spirit might have wanted to emphasize something? And so maybe it was all for me. I don't know. I tell you what, I, I sure needed it. I'd argue in my head with what was being taught, even though I knew it was right from the word. Well, that argument's okay. You know, you can, you can carry it out in yourself. You need to challenge what you believe. 
Challenge what you believe with the Word of God and see if it lines up. Because I believed some stuff that wasn't good. I believed some things about myself that was not good. I believed some negative things that had perhaps been spoken to me. Now listen, everybody here has had things said to them and against them. From school age up. And if you're not careful, you'll start listening to that. If you're not careful, you'll start, you know, your own self-doubt, your own insecurities will begin to rise up, am I right, and begin to talk to you. But you have to get your mouth involved and come against that. In Jesus' name, start calling. You don't have to constantly be rebuking demons and, you know, uh, coughing everything up in a bucket. And We went through that era. Thank God that ended. This kind of a stinky ministry. A little disgusting. You can get a chain reaction going with that pretty quick. But, uh, you know, I'm just uh, grateful for this teaching here from the word, from the lips of Jesus. This isn't some TV preacher you don't like. His wife's got too big a hairdo. This is actually the words of Christ. Amen. That is speaking uh, to us, to the body of Christ. And so, praise God, I'm thankful for this. If I don't like, I mean, I heard Brother Norville say this. I'm Literally, I think a thousand times, I can't exaggerate that. Hundreds, at least, of times that I heard Brother Norville say, if you don't like what you've got, change what you're saying. If you don't like the situation you're in, change what you're saying about it. Amen. Well, he would say that, and people would literally, in those days, back in the 70s, uh, especially the mid to late 70s, I saw people get up out of the auditorium in a huff and march out mad uh, over that. And I'm thinking, why would you get mad when you've been told what you could do? You know what that's like? Let me tell you how dumb that is. You want to hear how dumb that is? That's like having a pain or a symptom in your body and you go to the doctor and he says, now if you'll do these three things, take this supplement, start eating this and uh, something else, you know, some kind of directions and you get mad and say, well, that's easy for you to say, I guess you don't have any problems sending me out the door trying to tell me what to do. Well, are you stupid or what? I think you're, if you're talking like that, you're at the wrong doctor if you get my drift. You might need to go, you know, get a a zap or something. I don't know. They don't do that anymore, do they? Well, anyway, praise God, maybe they should. There's some sure crazy people loose in this world. They used to lock them up. Now they're out on the street. Stop meddling, Brother David. Uh, But, uh, yeah, somebody said it was a joke about Southerners. They said, in the South, we put crazy on the front porch and handed an iced tea, you know. Anyway, but uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's so crazy to be listening to the Word. You've got an anointed preacher. You've got an anointed teacher, somebody that's the God's, you know, placed in the body, teaching right from the Bible, and then somebody gets mad. Now, see, if if I got mad over what I'm hearing taught from the Word, I'd have to go home and reassess, what am I doing? 
What am I believing? Well, that's just against everything I've been taught. Now, how many know that we've all been taught things naturally and spiritually that are off? How many know that? It doesn't, so, you know, you, well, it was good enough for grandma. It's good enough for me. Well, you know, I don't, I'll tell you what, I don't feel that way about anything. My grandmother, my great grandmother had a, an electric ringer washer on her back porch. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They can eat your fingers if you're not quick. And that thing, when she'd get it going, and it would literally dance all across the back porch until it would unplug itself. And you could see the house shaking when the thing was going. Well, I don't know about you. We've got one that works a little different now. And thank God we don't have to deal with Grandma's ringer washer. Well, I don't want the ringer washer. I, I don't, I don't, a lot of things I don't want. I don't want, I don't want grand, great grandma's car either. For one thing, it wasn't a car. She never drove. She took the yellow cab. I don't want to do that either. You understand? We thank God for what, what we got when we got it. It was the best probably anyone had. But then there came a time when the word was being taught that we needed to examine what we believed and and compare it to the word. This is an old-timey word of faith message today. <laughs> Praise God. But we need to, and I don't know, I you hardly even hear this taught anymore. But it, I need it. It's just for me. If it's not for you, just go home and do what you do and forget it. But I tell you, I need it to be reminded because I can get negative. I don't know about you, but I'm just, to be honest, I can become negative. I can become complaining. I can become, uh, uh, you, you know, what? I don't know what else to say about that. And so for David, I have to go back to this scripture and say, okay, if I don't like my circumstance, my situation, I'm going to have to start saying something different about it. It's amazing, once you tap into this, it's amazing how it will change your life for the better. How many know if something for the help you, something to help you be better? Praise God. So, here is emphasized what we say over what we believe. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you want to change what you're believing... Start saying what you want it to be. How many would like to believe that you're healed? Believe that you're prosperous. Believe that you have favor. Believe that God is helping you and putting you over. Amen. And making you a success and making you a blessing to other people. And so if you want that in your life, you're going to have to begin to declare that and confess that. And say, well, I don't feel that way. Well, you will. Just keep saying it. Just keep making that. That's why I'm going to agree. If nothing else, you're going to say, I'm not going to argue with God what he says about me. So then you can look at Scripture. We won't take time again today to do it. But you can look at Scripture, because we do all the time, like in Galatians and Ephesians especially. Look at who the Bible says you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, a new creature in Him. A Second Corinthians 5 tells us that. 
uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Because I'm telling you, in the wee hours of the night, the devil can bring to you memory of 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 negative uh, events in your life, memory of mistakes, memory of failure. He can bring that to you, and you can lay there and just suffer and think, oh, man. And that's when you have to counteract it with your mouth and the Word of God and say, that's not true for me. I don't receive that. Oh, you're denying that this is what... Yeah, actually, I am. I am denying it. Because the Bible says that that was the old man, the old life, the old things that are passed away. But now that the new has come. Amen. Behold the fresh. In fact, why don't we put that up there because it's, I just can't hardly preach without making reference to this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and uh, in the Amplified, Classic Amplified, amen. Sorry to throw a, throw a curveball all of a sudden. Uh, look at this. I love this, and this is what you need to quote to the devil. You, I'm telling you, there is nothing more. You want to get rid of the devil and demons and negative thought, quote the Word of God at them. They hate that. Because they can't, there, there's, the Bible says that the Word cannot be naysayed. It cannot be changed. Amen. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, we're in him. He's not just walking beside us, holding our hand through the dark valley, like we used to sing some of them songs. Uh, that's not, that, that's fine, but he's more than that. He's not just walking, holding your hand. Um, there's a song they sing, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Well, I really don't enjoy that song. Because it gives the impression that you're just doing the best you can up the road in a hard, rocky way. And he's holding your hand as you drag him along. Well, that is just not the picture of victory. The picture of victory is that I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm engrafted in him. He's engrafted in me. We're together spiritually. You can't tell where he ends and I start. And you can't tell where I start and he ends. Amen. We're one in Christ, united with him. It says if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, that's who we're talking about. Just so there's no mistaking. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. You need to tell the devil this. The old previous, it's previous, it's done away with. The old moral and spiritual condition that maybe you were in when you were 15 years old or whatever. But it has passed away. Dead. Behold, I love this. Look, behold means look. Look, the fresh and the new has come. Hallelujah. Amen. The fresh and the new has come. And that's what you need to say about yourself. Instead of, I'll tell you what, Pastor, I'm doing it. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what the words are. It's just the whine about. And I'm getting to the point, you know, I'm getting a little bolder the older I get, bolder and older, I guess. Where I just want to say, if somebody comes to me, I just want to say, in the name of Jesus, shut up. Stop talking. 
and stick a Bible in their hand and point to a verse and say, say this. Amen? All right. Look at, look at, we'll look at Romans and some typical scriptures here. But those kind of scriptures that we just read, you know, the second Corinthians five, those, those kind of scriptures that we just read, um, that's what you need to be feeding on and saying about yourself. All right? And not only say it about yourself, but say it about your, your automobile, say it about your washer machine, say it about your home, say it about your church. Amen. Praise God. You'll reap a benefit from it. I've always said every car we've ever owned, I've said, well, as long as we own it and drive it, it's going to run well. It's going to perform well. It's going to be safe. Bless it. Instead of, you know, like one said, one person said, their aunt said, these brakes are going to be the death of me every time she got in the car. And she'd hit the brakes and they, they malfunctioned a little. That might be a clue you need to go to the, you know, brake store. Just saying. But every time she'd hit them, you know, they would kind of malfunction, finally grab at the last minute. And she'd say to everybody that rode with her, makes you not want to ride with her, I think, maybe. You can just go ahead, I'll meet you by Uber. But, uh, you know, aunt whoever was saying, these, these brakes are going to be the death of me. I'll tell you, these brakes are going to be the death of me. One of these days, these brakes are going to fail and I'm going to kill myself or somebody else. And lo and behold, she didn't run into somebody, and it killed her. You say, well, I don't know why the Lord allowed that to happen and take her on so early. Well, see, like, again, brain left in the basket before you entered the church building. I mean, you know, why would we say stuff like that when somebody has has the, basically spoken a death sentence, not only spoken it, but acted in accordance? All right. So, um, like Brother Hagen was talking about this, there was, there was this man in the church in the Assemblies of God back in the forties, and he uh, was working in some kind of a, a oil oil related uh, company or whatever, and they had this big sign. There was this switch that you pulled. You know, you ever seen one of those big power switches that you pull down and it? Surges a lot of power through a building or a factory or a plant or something. And there was this big switch and a sign bigger than your head that was over the switch. It says, do not caution. You know, they have electric bolts. Do not operate without rubber mat in place. Because the rubber mat grounded you and kept you from getting electrocuted. Well, so a member of the church goes over, ignores the sign, or forgot, or couldn't read, or I don't know what, grabbed the lever, and pulled it down, and he was, you know, he became part of the power system. And it killed him. And Brother Hagin said that at the funeral, people were saying, I don't know why the Lord decided to take him at such an early age. You have to, you know, you have to think about somebody saying that. And Brother Hagen did not make a friend by responding because he said, it seems like the Lord doesn't take near as many of them that follow the rules of safety. 
And that's what he responded, and of course that made them mad, because they're trying to be religious about it, and, and blame God instead of just thinking like a normal person. You understand? Just because you're spiritual doesn't mean you unscrew your brain. Right? Or you're walking across the street, and there's traffic, you're in Los Angeles or somewhere, and the traffic is going, and, and you look, and there's a sign that says, stop, red, don't go, stay on the curb, and I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and you walk out there quoting scripture, well, that would be like your last thing you said. So, you know, you, it's just, you, it gets to be craziness. So faith, life, and spiritual life doesn't mean you go crazy and lose your mind. Amen. In fact, faith life, Bible life, and word life, and spirit life will help your brain. Amen. Will help you to think better and be smarter. Preach glory. All right, one more verse here. We're going to end this before something bad happens. All right, Romans 10. <laughs> I'm kidding. Verse 8, Romans 10, 8. Glory to God. This was all rolling around in my spirit this morning about 3 o'clock. I could hardly sleep. Poor Scarlet has to be... Subjected to me waking up at 2.30 and 3 o'clock and I'm going, what time is it? You know. Uh, the word is nigh thee. Where is it? Well, it's in the mouth of the Lord. No, it, it, whose mouth? Thy mouth. The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. Do you know why people want to blame everything on God? Because they're lazy. Can I just be blunt? So many Christians are just lazy. They don't want to get their nose in the Bible. They don't want to confess the Word of God. They don't want to pray properly. They want to blame everything on God, just willy-nilly, whatever. Que Sarah Sarah should be the theme song. Well, you know, whatever will be, will be. And it's, I don't know, I don't know, you knew. And, uh, and call that trusting God. That is not trusting God. That is not trusting anything. I don't know what that is. I think it's a little bit of lazy and it's easier to kind of just be natural and just kind of float around. You don't have to believe anything. But go ahead, see what you get with that. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather kind of know which way I'm going. Amen. Well, I'm just in blind faith following the Lord. The faith is not blind. Amen. He said he would show you things to come. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show these great and mighty things which you don't know. How many would like to know the future? How many would like to know what's going to come? How many wants to know what's happening? You can know. You can know. You don't have to be in the dark and call that faith. That is not faith. I don't know what. I'm all stirred up what's happened to me. The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. It's in your mouth. It needs to be in your mouth, the Word of God, and in thy heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. So please don't go around saying, 
I don't know about that word of faith business. Well, now you know. There it is. It's in Romans 2 and 8. There's that word of faith business right there. It's in, it's in our mouth and in our heart. Praise God. We're going to speak it. We're going to declare it. But I don't want anybody making fun of me at the family reunion. Well, they're going to make fun of you whether you or not. If you gain weight, they'll point that out. And if you lose weight, they'll point out how much weight you lost, but not in a nice way. My God, I remember when you were as big as the side of the house. Thank you, Aunt Myrtle. You've always been my favorite. Verse 9, that that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Even confession is necessary for salvation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, uh, here's the cool thing. Because of Mark eleven twenty three, you can take this scripture and use it for anything and everything. With the heart man believeth unto, and anything that righteousness provides or redemption can be written in there. So you could say, with the heart man believeth unto healing of the whatever, kidneys, whatever. Uh, with heart man believeth unto Provision, whatever you need provided, amen. Peace, anything from righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto anything that is in salvation, amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Any blessing that you can find in Deuteronomy 28 can be accessed through this Behavior. (laughs) Amen. Now, once you get the hang of this, so to speak, you it becomes a way of life. It's not just something you get out, brush off and use every now and then, kind of like your treadmill. That's supposed to be funny. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, you know, the first time we bought a treadmill years ago, uh, it, I found out it worked real well in the bedroom for hanging shirts that you were ironing, you know, on it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, but, um, you know, it's not something, and that's, I think that's the problem with a lot of people with, with faith or in the faith movement. Or part, part of the problem is they've used confession and authority in words just in an emergency or or uh, almost like a, another religious thing. But if you'll stop being religious about it, as we say, and make it a part of your life like this is who you are, you'll start seeing the fruit of it and the results. It might not change immediately. Some things do. But it'll eventually change. Amen. So if you don't like what you've got, stop saying what you're saying. Start saying something different. Say, well, I've already been saying it. Well, keep saying it. Say it, say it, say it double. 
Sometimes you go to the doctor and he'll give you a prescription and then you'll say, well, this doesn't seem to be working. He'll say, well, I'll tell you what, double up on that or take it twice as many times and you'll see results. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. That's the way it is with the Word of God. If your level of confessing the Word is not producing results, well, why don't you say it more? The devil wants us to back off. That's why there's resistance. When we begin to confess, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, he'll bring up every sin you've ever committed. When you start confessing healing, you'll feel pain at places you didn't know you owned. <laughs> Amen. When when you begin to confess prosperity, sometimes it's almost like when it seems like you get the biggest attack against your finances. But you just keep declaring this is what the word says. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I smell. I'm moved only by the word of God. And that's what I'll confess. Brother Hagin used to say all the time, the devil would say to him, what are you going to do now? You know, something happened that's not good. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He'd always say, I'm going to. Because he talked like grapes of wrath, you know. 30s grapes were, we're going to go to California across, you know, whatever. But anyway, he would say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to act like the Bible's so. Now think about that. That is so powerful. And I remember me saying that. I, I have memory of saying that through the years when something wouldn't change, something wouldn't seem to turn, something would come up against me. Anybody ever had anything come up against you? Come up against me. And I would say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to, I tell you what I'm, the devil would go, what are you going to do? 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 I'd say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Sound like Brother Hagin. I'm a gonna. I'm a gonna act like the Bible is so. I'm gonna act like I am. I, I, I thought about Brother Osteen, um, thinking about this message and how he would start every church service in Houston. Brother Osteen, John Osteen, he'd op- op- open with holding up your Bible and say, this is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. I am everything this Bible says I am, and I have everything this Bible says I have. Amen. And I tell you, that's a good confession. That's a good thing to do. That's a good, if you open, get up in the morning, if you don't, even if you don't turn and open to a scripture, hold up the Bible symbolically. This isn't a religious thing. Don't make it religious, but it's a thing of, of, of life in your heart. And you say, this is my Bible. I want, I want all entities in heaven, earth, and hell to listen to me. This is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. This is God's personal love letter to me. This, and I have everything this Bible says I have. And I am everything this Bible says I am. And I want every angel in heaven human on earth and demon in hell to know that's what I'm declaring and saying today. You keep talking like that, and I'll tell you what, you'll walk a little taller, not snotty. I'm not talking about snotty, but I'm saying you'll walk taller, you'll stand up straighter, you'll walk with authority on this earth, 
and you'll you'll uh, do exploits in Jesus' name, and you'll heal the sick yourself, not just receive a healing. You'll heal the sick, you'll cast out devils, and you'll raise the dead too. That's the believer's ministry. All right, that's enough preaching. Praise the Lord. If you were watching on the Internet, God help you. Thank you for joining in. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today for this uh, service, for this word, and we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. God bless you.